On February 28, 1993, the FBI were on the brink of conducting a raid on the Branch Davidians. This cult, led by David Koresh, had been founded decades earlier based on a series of twisted religious beliefs, and they believed that the second coming of Christ was imminent. Reports of dangerous military practices and abuse within its compound had led the FBI to finally act against the cult, and what resulted was one of the longest standoffs in U.S. history, known as the Waco Siege. How did David Koresh manage to persuade so many people to follow him on his depraved path? Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Depraved, indeed. indeed. <laughs> and, and a long path. This path was and, and a very long path. I feel like this this group was around for a very long time before meeting its end. It was, yeah. It's a doozy. It was. But before we get into that, you guys already know what's happening. Welcome back. It's another episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime, and time. And we got a doozy. Doozy this week, like we said. I mean, I feel like we say that every week, but honestly, this week is really there's. And you know what? Also, we say so every much week too. to talk about. And because both of these things are true, we always have a doozy. And this other thing is always true. Please rate, review, and subscribe. You know, <laughs> it may, it, it means so. We're not we're, we're not asking you to do it because there's going to be a second coming that we're trying to save you from or yeah. help you with. We're just doing. It. We're asking you to do it out of the goodness of your heart and soul. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, please rate or subscribe wherever you're listening to us and also follow us on Instagram and not another true crime. The account's blowing up. We've gotten so many nice messages from you guys. I screenshot them all and send oh, them to Danny. They are so, so nice. So like, thank uh-huh. you guys for listening to us. If you found us through the Instagram or vice versa. Um, and thanks for your messages and for playing trivia. I mean, that's the best part. It's the best part of my day. Crap. I forgot to think of my questions for today. Uh, I'll have to do that after this. I'll probably just do Waco. It'll be Waco themed because it's going to be on the brain. (laughs) And I don't know. I just I feel like people have been requesting this for a long time and I just never wanted to do it because there's so much information that has not changed. There is so much information that is still the constant. And with that, I'm sure there's going to be a sentence that we don't say that you're going to be like, this is my favorite part or the most important part. You know, to air is human, to to have a raid is human, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I, if you're shocked, too, because I, I feel like a lot of people got invested in this after the Netflix doc or the docu-series. And if you're looking for that, it is now on Paramount+. Plus. Don't waste an hour on Netflix like uh, I did trying to find it. Yeah, I was trying to find it. I Googled, I Googled like Waco documentary, and then I ended up with the one on Hulu, that is like a one hour episode, maybe of truth and lies. I mean, it was fine. It I feel it. like it wasn't anything like super groundbreaking. Exactly. It was a, it's a good um, if you want a visual element after you listen to the audio version of Waco. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there, there's something to be said for that. Um, I feel like I, I read a lot of the information in like articles, but you know what? It's all good. It's all good. It is all good. Did you watch the Waco, the docu series? I watched the Netflix. I watched it when it was on Netflix. Ugh, I should have. But that was I like twenty, I, like back in the day. So I have no clue. Yeah. So I remember watching that, and it was good. And then I remember I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like rewatch my not before this, and I was like, I'm not gonna. 
Oh my God. That was like when we did Herbalife and I tried to rewatch Betting on Zero and I had to pay like $3 on YouTube TV because they took it off Netflix. It's so hard to, like, I would do any free trial for Paramount, but like it asked me for so many passcodes and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I heard the iCarly revival is great on it, but you know, yes. I, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> I know. I do need to watch it to support our girl Lacey. Yes. Scam goddess. She's yes. taking over. Um, but aside from that, no, I haven't gotten to dive in. But I mean, let's dive into Waco, to the Branch Davidians, to David Koresh. Um, he was born Vernon Wayne Howell in Houston, Texas in 1959. Weird to think about the fact that he's like the same age as my parents or he would have been. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. And also, can I say, I've never understood. So, I mean, I've never gotten more. So I'd be like, just call me David. <laughs> Vernon's well, I know, right? Yeah. He was just like, I need. I mean, Vernon Wayne Howell is a cool name. It's not a biblical name at all. No, but it so, is very much a cult leader name, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like you're right. But he needed a rebrand so yeah. that he could convince people that he was like a messiah. <coughs> Yeesh. So he was born to a 15 year old single mother and. I feel like straight out. This is straight out of the serial killer origin story book, but he is not really a serial killer. But uh, Vernon never knew his father and he was raised by his grandparents. We see mm -hmm. that so often um, in conversations with the FBI. He described his childhood as lonely. Mm -hmm. Vernon was dyslexic and a bad student. And the other students would tease him and call him Vernie. Which, yeah, but also like. Not the worst name well, that they could have called you. Yeah, it's not like they're like they. You know what? It would have been worse if they called him Vermin. You know what I mean? Like a rat. Yeah, like a, see, 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 that's like the ingenuity that we know from see, child bullies. You gotta be, yeah, you gotta be on that's your what feet we expect. as a bully. Yeah, Vermin is right? just cute. It's like Laverne and Shirley. It's like a pet name for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just like a nickname. Yeah. Whatever, though. So. He was traumatized by that. He dropped out of high school, but was really interested in music and the Bible. And by age 12, he had memorized large portions of it. Very reliant K energy. I was going to say weird flex. <laughs> uh, remember when they had that one banger on the radio and then you found out they were a Christian band? Oh, yeah. But I still think that we should get jerseys because we'd make a good team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I feel like we all thought that was like a cute prom pickup line and they're probably talking about like getting Jesus jerseys or something. <laughs> Jesus jerseys. Yeah. Oh, God. Nobody <laughs> needs that. Um, Vernon claimed that he memorized both the New and Old Testaments by the time he was 18. Like, sure. If sure. I'll give you that one, I guess. Yeah. And he also said that when he was a child, God spoke to him and said, you're the chosen one. You are my Messiah. Okay. Uh, yeah. When he was 20, he joined the Church of Seventh-day Adventists, which was his mother's church. But he was expelled for being a bad influence on the younger members. Uh, uh, uh. And by 1983, he joined the Brand, the Brand Davidians, which were a religious group that was an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventists, founded by Victor Hutef in 1934. Whew. So... Like a little bit about them. I actually didn't know that they went so deep because I think most cults tend to crash and burn like, you know, within like a 10 year span. If, if I'm being like generous. Well, cults are like restaurants. I feel like we're 50 percent or whatever <laughs> close in their first year because you can't right. get the clientele. You can't get the clientele. It's true. And then if you don't close, you just become a mainstream church, I guess. You become a Sparrow. Yeah. I also like I feel like they this started off as a sort of offshoot and then it and then he took it to a dark place, mm -hmm. I feel like. Mm -hmm. So 
a little bit of the on the founder of the branch Davidians, uh, Victor Hutev. He emigrated from Bulgaria to the United States. He basically called for reform within the Seventh Day Adventist Church, but they like did not fucking care what he had to say. <laughs> Thank so, you. Next. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Literally the church to him. Um, <laughs> so basically he and a bunch of people broke off and they started a compound near Waco, Texas, actually in Carmel in 1935. And they were preparing for, you guessed it, the coming of Jesus Christ himself. Mm. Um, I feel I feel like that all all cults are like every cult. you know apocalyptic <laughs> in some sense. It's funny every cult is like a surprise birthday party where like no she's coming get ready get ready get ready and everyone's hiding <laughs> with the lights off. <laughs> Just and then shout. you're like and then someone else walks through the door and you're like okay okay next, uh, five okay. more minutes get behind the cloud yeah get a glass of Kool Aid and get behind the couch. <laughs> oh my god so true. Ugh. So. They believed basically that the Seventh Day Adventists got distracted by worldly pursuits and were sort of like shirking their duties to prepare for the imminent coming of Christ. They initially led simple lives. They would avoid most commercial entertainment. Um, they were hardworking and they developed a sort of self-sustaining community. I'm getting big Rajneesh Perm vibes like mm. communes sound cool until you have to start like fucking the leader, you know? <laughs> ain't that life ain't that life yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they also put out literature and what circulated across the country they got like a good amount of people okay okay uvs i know and then when victor died his wife florence took over she kind of doubled down on the new coming of jesus thing and she set a date april 22nd 1959 it was supposed to be the start of the new messianic age that's earth day oh mm -hmm. and also my brother's birthday so i okay there's energy there we go. And then so in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, hundreds of people gathered in Waco starting around March 1959. But spoiler, <laughs> the end of the world did not happen. Weirdly, no. Shockingly. Yeah. So the group kind of splintered off. In 1962, Florence was basically like, I fucked up, you guys. And she disbanded her group. However, there was a persisting faction who were opposed to Florence led by a man named Ben Roden. And they took over Mount Carmel after she left. And he established the general association of Davidian seventh day Adventists. I Adventists? Advent I think Adventists. Yeah. Adventists. Well, that's how they would say it on Gilmore girls. <laughs> so. Let's go with that. <laughs> and also I kind of get that because I feel like, they probably were like, oh, my God, we put so much fucking time into this. I'm not going to qu like Jason Mraz. I won't give up, but <laughs> sunk cost fallacy mixed with like they probably believed it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Of course. Yes. So Ben wanted members to live a pure life and said when they reached moral maturity, Christ would come back. I mean, same, to be honest. <laughs> Rodin died in 1978 and followers were kind of torn between going with his wife, Lois, or his son, George. And it was during this period that our pal Vernon Howell joined the commune. He um, started an affair with Lois while he was in his late 20s and she was in her late 60s. Okay. So I want to say respect, but also a little yikes. A little yikes, a little Scott Disick. Ooh, Yeah. But like reverse reverse yeah reverse so apparently vernon wanted to father a child with her who he thought would be the chosen one and 
Lois encouraged him to sing and play guitar, and his songs became a part of the daily Bible study sessions. He basically like believed he was King David and using his music to reach people, which is foreshadowing. I feel like that's every man with a guitar at a party. Oh, my God. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My music is affecting you positively. My God. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe. (laughs) So then Lois died in 1986 and Vernon and George clashed about who was going to take control. And in 1987, there was a shootout, like literally a gunfight. Crazy. That's a lot. Craziness. And this is something that I had never, ever heard. George was shot in the head and the chest and Vernon and seven other followers were put on trial for attempted murder. And everything about like the Waco siege, I feel like this is glossed over. The fact that he (laughs) casually got away with attempted murder because his case ended in a mistrial and then everybody else was acquitted. So, yeah, he took control after this. Yeah, I feel like that's a very intense footnote. Uh, Like, it's treated as a footnote, but it's a very intense level of, like, how he rose to power. I'm like, he killed someone and then got off of it and then took off. I think he almost killed him. I don't know if George survived because he was charged with attempted murder. Oh, that's true. In any case, like, he was clearly not in a position to lead a religious movement. No. And then this is where things went south because... This is the thing. It takes one bad boss to ruin a company. <laughs> That's it. After Vernon took charge, he changed his name to David Koresh, essentially implying he was the spiritual heir of King David. And I got to say, as someone named Sarah, that is just not how that works. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> and on some uh, some background before we get super biblical, because we are about to. Um, Koresh is the Hebrew version of Cyrus, who is the Persian king who conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to return to Israel. Fun fact. Right, there we go. Um, Koresh would later tell the FBI that God gave him his last name. Sure. Oh. All right. Very like Carrie Underwood. And I don't even know my last name, but uh, <laughs> for God. <giving> it to <laughs> yes. And he basically claimed to be a messianic figure, but not the Messiah. I know. I'd also... Maybe that's just me being dumb. I didn't know there were able to be figures of a Messiah. You know what I mean? I did not know that that was a level. Maybe he just invented that, but you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like he just invented that. I feel like that's kind of the point. Yeah. So we digress into the biblical portion of this podcast if you're happening to listen to this on a sunday i mean double whammy so has to do with the lamb not the mariah carey <laughs> fan groups but you know what i mean <laughs> so the brand davidians believe the bible is literally the word of god so they are reading that word for word so they look to it <clears throat> because of that for clues about christ's second coming because they assumed that they would leave all the clues in there the book of revelations talks about the seven seals Uh, which basically are believed to herald the catastrophe mankind will go through in its final days. That sounds fun. (laughs) The Lamb of God, according to Revelation, sparks the events that bring about the end of the world, such as uh, pestilence and a war against Israel. Koresh taught the seven seals laid out his powers. He taught that those seven seals laid out his powers, and it gave him the power to take multiple wives, which we'll get into shortly. Oh, 
we're going to get into that. I also like love a uh, fuck boy who's like, no, God said I should have multiple wives. I hate that. <laughs> you guys didn't read it correctly. Uh, Koresh also said that God's plan was for him to populate the world with his children. And because they are reading the Bible and all this stuff, taking that face value, he meant his children being biologically born through him. <clears throat> well, I think he just made this up. Oh, I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, because I mean, they're all of this for them. Yeah. But, you know, you take I was also from- like, I was thinking like, I know that it's <clears throat> funny because every time we talk about cults, like we're always like, oh, how could you believe that like a lizard god is gonna, you know, bring a- along the end of days or whatever? But I, but then if you go deep enough into Christianity, it's like the Lamb of God is gonna open the seven seals and portend the end of mankind. Like you know. Blah, blah. Revelations is like wacky. Like, didn't we do a quiz where we had to guess something oh, about the Bible passages? We did, and we did not know it. <laughs> I feel like it's like the yeah. I mean, it's not like Scientology, but it just reminds me of the levels of Scientology where you have to go up to get to the really out there stuff. Just like mm. you have to go really far in the Bible to get. I mean, there's plenty of weird Bible stuff like early on, but <laughs> but it gets it kind of gets it's like when you launch. Like the, the first two steps make sense. Like, okay, I understand the direction. I understand the direction. And you're like, I do what now? Like, it just gets <laughs> a little bit crazy. <laughs> Speaking of getting a little what now, he also claimed that him and the followers of him would become martyrs, but would also return to kill any non-believers. So a lot going oh, on excellent. there. A lot going on there. You're going to die. Not violent group. (laughs) Yeah. You'll die. You'll come back to kill someone. (laughs) Yeah. Very. Oh my God. So chill. So accepting. Heaven on earth. They thought that. Seventh day Adventists, though, believe Christ already opened the seals in heaven after the ascension. I will say, I, I, I took down these notes. I am a Jew. I do not completely understand what this means. So if anything is wrong, just DM me. I mean, from what I remember from CDC, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Where are the biblical scholars listening to this podcast? Yeah. Oh gosh, please help help us help us out. And uh, sorry if anything that we're saying is so wrong for so wrong. But yeah, basically the seals are various periods throughout history, and they believe the seventh one hasn't been opened, hence their name. Um, and they believe that the seventh seal will be opened with the coming of Christ Himself. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of yeah. tracks a little bit. I can see it. So that's that. That's sort of how he just sort of perverted that entire philosophy. <laughs> Let's talk about life on this compound. Not shockingly, you're supposed to separate yourself from the world, according to a former member. I think that's kind of the general idea of going mm-hmm. to live with a cult. Um, and basically, you're supposed to be spiritual where at, and like not tied to sort of like the mortal world where there are sins, desires, flesh, all that bad stuff. And all that jazz, like truly kind of is the opposite of what Chicago the Musical is about. Uh, Literally. And so women had to wear long blouses that had to cover their butts and they were not allowed makeup or jewelry. Mm -hmm. Um, They all like nobody on the compound. They said this in the Truth and Lies Waco documentary. Koresh like had all these weird rules like he would tell them where to sleep and they had all these weird food rules like they couldn't eat sugar processed flour or dairy products um and the dairy products was because he thought milk was for babies and not adults (laughs) 
he's not like wrong. I feel like scientifically, like so many adults are lactose intolerant, but I just feel like it's funny for him to be like, milk is for babies. Yeah. He's like, I remember watching that in like on a Looney Tunes. It's only for babies. Like now yeah. this is a factual thing on their premises. Yeah. And then also in this documentary, they said there were a lot of like weird rules about combining foods. Like you mm. couldn't do it. Like you could have you you could have apples and bananas together, but you couldn't have bananas and oranges and mm. you weren't allowed to eat fruit and vegetables together. Well, I um, guess the maybe the kids were loving that part. They're like, fuck my fruits, fuck my veggies. But I, I do no say idea. apples and bananas go together with peanut butter and oranges doesn't really go with peanut butter. So yes, peanut that. butter is well, peanut butter could be the glue that holds us all together because they <laughs> Whatever meals they did get were sporadic and sometimes were actually just peanuts. Hey, you know what? There I'm sure go. they would have loved some PB. Oh, ooh, who, who doesn't? Yeah. And also there was no heat or electricity. So this place just sounded miz. This is camping. This is camping when you don't know how to camp. <laughs> this would be us if we're camping. Be like, Literally, I have like, peanuts and we, we don't know where we're sleeping. We get a hot dog, try to roast it on a stick. And we're like, oh, I thought you knew how to make a fire. We're just using a, a Bic lighter, hoping for the best. Oh, my God. Seriously. So um, also even worse, which would we would hate even more. The followers had to run like military exercises starting at 5 a.m. every single day. Oh, my God. By Bible study, which was three times a day. No, no. Yeah, no, this is terrible. Honestly, like if this is what it takes for eternal salvation, like I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I would be going down the stripper pole with Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like just stripper pole down to hell like it's a fire pole. <laughs> Seriously. And then Koresh would also separate families from each other. Um, everyone, even married couples at one point were supposed to embrace celibacy. Except for David, because he was like super vulgar and talked about sex a lot. Fun. And then he got to a point where he claimed all the marriages would be dissolved and all the women would be his wives. OK. Yeah. He started with five wives, all of whom were underage and said God told him who to take and not to take as a wife. So, you know, he's he's not a pedophile. Just, just God told him <clears throat> God's plan. Gross. One woman who was in her 20s at the time refused to have sex with Koresh. So she was locked in a small shed for three and a half months. Oh, God. Fucking awful. And eventually he had 20 wives. 20. And he basically called himself a sinful messiah because that was his justification for like how he could tell them to be celibate and do all this, not do all this stuff. While meanwhile, he could drink, smoke, have sex and commit adultery. Right. Messiahs are just like us. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right. We love a relatable messiah. <laughs> um, and then also there were some allegations of child abuse as well. Um, one former member who left the compound when she was six remembers being hit often and punished basically 24 seven. And this gives me some, was it 12 tribes vibes because yes. the children were beat with a wooden paddle, which they called the helper. Oh, God. And they would get disciplined for minor things like literally spilling milk. Like being a child. And also they were the ones that were fucking forced to drink milk. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. (laughs) And then this is actually fucking crazy because they also had to fight each other to train for the final battle. And if they didn't fight hard enough, they would get paddled like a kid fight club. What the hell is going on? That is hell. It's like truly just it's torture. This is crazy. And. They were also instructed to call their parents dogs and could only call Koresh father. Okay. 
gross. And um, just as a trigger warning in advance, um, what I'm about to list is going to discuss sexual abuse. So just use a little like 30 second skip button. So also girls as young as 11 were given this plastic star of David, which meant they had the light and were ready to have sex with the cult leader. And also several of his wives were not even teenagers. Like this is so gross. I remember, I remember in the documentary, like some former members being like, yeah, I wish we had realized like he was just a pedophile. Like, I think it just didn't click for these people. Well, also, because when you're in it and like, that's your fucking world and you're just eating peanuts, you can't really form. Yeah, you're eating peanuts. You're not sleeping. You're being one ragged, literally. Right. It's like the like how Nexium everyone was like too fucking starved to even seriously have thought processes of like what they sh- what is right and what is wrong and what they could do, what they should do anything. Yeah. Obviously, this is not just this thing going completely unnoticed in Waco, Texas. There are people looking into it, being very like, what the fuck is going on here? This feels, this is weird, this is wrong. So we get to the raid and the seas and <laughs> it gets very crazy here. So it was called originally Operation Trojan Horse and we're gonna go into all of it. It gets very, um, a lot of crazy missteps and things just get taken to very much extremes and everything this, as far as stings go. Um, first and foremost, the FBI either did not totally care, but more so they didn't have enough evidence to go in and investigate on cases of molestation on um, David, just because it was one of those things that was being uh, commonly talked about and stuff like that. But in terms of like being able to secure a warrant, there was no concrete proof or evidence. I feel like it's hard when you just have these people in this like insular yeah. commune who probably don't want to talk to the cops. Exactly. Cause if they get out and also if anyone gets out, they just want to get the fuck out. They're not going to try to like, yeah, you know I what I mean? That. Yeah. So their main interest. So according to these later documents was the alleged possessions of potentially illegal firearms and weapons on the site. And they had proof slash suspicion of this because the investigation started almost a year ago in uh, June, 1992 when the uh, ATF, the Alcohol, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms uh, Bureau, which is kind of a party group, <laughs> allegedly yeah, became... Know. Right? I'm like, okay. Like, you couldn't even get the FBI? <laughs> yeah, right? I might need on them. <laughs> yeah. um, the ATF allegedly became concerned because they were receiving reports of automatic gunfire from in, coming from their compound. So now they were, they were able to kind of be like, okay, well, we hear fucking fire and everything. So it's uh, we hear like... Uh, firearms and stuff like that, that has to be something. The same year in July, two of the uh, ATF agents visited their uh, gun dealer, Koresh's gun dealer. His name was Henry McMahon, who tried to get them to talk to Koresh on the phone. And Koresh allegedly offered to show them like weapons paperwork and stuff like that. But the ATF was like, no, thank you. Don't know. I know I was kind of, that about... It was kind of interesting because I was kind of like, I wonder if they were doing it to be like, nope, we still want to raid or just if they were like, literally, yeah, (laughs) I I I feel like exactly that, like covering your ears, being like, I can't hear you. Right. Like, oopsies. Uh, No, totally. So they ultimately did receive a search warrant uh, on the suspicion that uh, the Davidians were modifying guns. So taking guns that maybe they did own legally or just taking guns 
and adding illegal automatic fire capability to them, which is terrifying. Yikes. And would track. <clears throat> this also was known as the Aguilera Affidavit, not Christina Aguilera. But <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> one of the ATF employees who went to look at the gun dealer and refused to crash. Interesting. And so they got this warrant. And the search warrant was only allowed to, or it was only valid uh, on or before February 28th, 1993. And it had to be during daytime hours. But daytime hours for this was 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I feel like that kind of... Like, damn, I'm moving to Texas. No, I'm I, not. But No, I'm not. I need my darkness. I know. I'm like, what is that? And I don't know if it's just kind of like, <clears throat> is 11 p.m. like full pitch blackness? Who knows? <clears throat> so their plan was Who to knows? do this raid on March 1st, 93, and call it Showtime, which I love as a name. But it was moved up to February 28th due to this article that came out, The Sinful Messiah, that was in the Tribune. And also, Wait, what's that about? Okay, yeah. So well, also my favorite thing is like, why was it going to be March 1st? The affidavit stopped on the 20th. I mean, the warrant Exactly. Was- it's like you didn't have the clearance. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> that, that threw me off a lot. So this um, Sinful Messiah article was in the... The, uh, the local tribune, I'm forgetting on the, what the full name of it was, uh, because the article was going to like cause, they just, the ATF knew it was going to cause mass panic hysteria. Oh, wait, the Waco Tribune. I read that article. Oh, the Waco Tribune. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. That's where I got all the stuff about the Lamb of God. So if I got it wrong, blame this article. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was called The Sinful Messiah, Seven Seals Key to Vernon Howell's Power. It was published February 27th of 1993. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like all about how he sort of like perverted these views and how they aren't actually in line with like what Seventh Day Adventists believe and all this other stuff. Yes, exactly. So they oh, were like, turn up, go us. Okay. You know, and yeah, right. So the <laughs> ATF knew that this article was coming and they were working with the Tribune to be like, can you push it until after our raid? Like, cause they were talking at the beginning of February cause the article was ready for February 1st. And they were like, oh, can you push it? We just want to get all the ducks in a row to do this. Tribune was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. After a lot of back and forth, they were getting not a lot of answers from the ATF. Uh, they were like, you know, we're just going to fucking release it. Cause honey, headlines are- it. Headlines are currency, baby. We yeah. with this. No, we got to sell papers. And also it was the thing too. I'm like, y'all were sitting, sitting on your thumbs with this warrant. They didn't do anything until the, 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 the story until came like out. After, that's like when I don't actually do an assignment until after the due date. And then I'm like, oh my God, sorry. My Wi-Fi was out. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Right? It's like you had a month, but instead you're just having a rushed panic of a day. Yeah. And the... This first raid was sort of a panic. So on February 28th, 1993, uh, the, the Bureau ATF uh, attempted to raid the Branch Davidian site in order to execute this search warrant. The raid turned very dark and very messy very quickly. It's still kind of TBD how it exactly started in terms of who turned it more violent, but the ending result was a shootout that killed five agents, five Branch Davidians, and injured it at least additional 16 agents so that's not good obviously you have this article in the tribune that came out everyone's like what the fuck is happening here then you have these this shootout with the government happening here everything's like what the fuck do we do so then of course you call in the fbi the fbi took it over from the alcohol tobacco firearms explosive group and what the fbi ultimately ended up doing this led to the what you all probably know, the 51-day standoff between the Branch Davidians and the FBI. 
And the standoff was a little crazy. They used a lot of different tactics on them to breach the compound. And it's kind of interesting. Like, so they would do things like playing loud music 24 seven to make people get tired, feel crazy, just like either to do that, to get people to talk, to get them feeling weak or to get them looking crazy enough to be on and to leave and also to film people being crazy so they can use it as like, look at these like crazy Mother nice. going around. Part of me is like, this sounds like a fraternity hazing. <laughs> and part of me is also like, this is pretty gross to do to like your own citizens. Yeah. Well, that's, it gets into a very interesting conversation with that. And that's where people still feel a little bit like what mm-hmm. is going on here. They even had a six hour conversation with Koresh did not go anywhere, obviously. And, and the FBI even felt a little divided on how this was going down some of the uh agents were kind of like we could just we we, we should try to have like a more conversing conversational a little less extreme tactic with them the other side wanted to blast music and get giant cars and kind of ram them into (laughs) uh, (laughs) the fence which uh, they ultimately did do there Uh, really are two types of people am i right the ones that entertain and the ones that observe (laughs) (laughs) oh man so uh, in the first few days, the FBI honestly did believe that they made a breakthrough when they negotiated with Koresh an agreement that the BDs would leave the compound and return for a message recorded by Koresh being broadcasted on national radio. This kind of reminded me of um, uh, the Unabomber because didn't they make him do? He like demanded the newspaper thing and then he never came forward or like never stopped. I, I know he had some like manifesto. Yeah, they published the manifesto thinking that they would go and read it. Oh, I, there was a really good documentary or like a mini series. Yeah, Netflix. I watched it. Yes. So. I like that one. Um, so the broadcast made, but then Koresh told the investigators that God had told him to remain in the building and wait. Noi doi. Of course. Noi doi. After this, some children were released though, and they were interviewed. Then on March 9th, this is circling back to the idea of making these people look very like... Uh, sleep depriving them. They sent a video cam into the compound and Koresh recorded himself and his wives and children. They also, this showed though, oh, he recorded them just like walking around like a tour, like kind of stuff like that. Seeming fine. Seeming fine. So they said, so in this was, he used this footage to try and tell them that no one seemed to be a hostage. Uh, Negotiators did nothing with this footage because it said, it would just make Koresh and his crew gain sympathy and feeling like, oh, well, they really do seem just like fine in there. You know what I mean? Mm, That's suspect. Mm -hmm. So finally, on April 19th, kind of interesting, the same week that the first, this other whole second combo was going to be going down back in the day. Mm, You're right. um, The FBI raided the compound after fear of more child abuse and mass suicide. They did this by using intense... But I feel like there wasn't really evidence that that mass suicide was ever, like, their goal. I feel like this was just... when I think Jonestown was, like, right before this. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they were using that. Like, I feel like this was just sort of cult paranoia and also just they didn't like them to begin with. Definitely cult paranoia. And definitely, I feel the ammo angle wasn't working them or doing anything that. So then they were, like, they could use force to be, like, children are in danger. Everyone's gonna, okay, you know so Jonestown mean? was 1978. So that was like before this. Yeah. Not super recent, but... But also it's a known enough thing where people could easily yeah. move this to Jonestown. And then, no, what was in Heaven's Gate? Sorry, now I'm Googling. Oh, Heaven's, Heaven's Gate, Gate was... I'm like, I feel like there was some mass suicide right before this. Yeah, 1990... Oh, this was after this. 1997 was Heaven's Gate. Um... Whatever. All I'm saying is like, 
they never talked about mass suicide or like no. ascension or blah 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 like any of that stuff yeah so they none of that was mentioned for the branch of videos but they said there was fear for that so they raided and they did this by using intense tanks and tear gas which started a fire <clears throat> well maybe it's still, it's still unknown who everyone is that song we didn't start the fire and <laughs> killed almost <laughs> that's stuck in my head when since we started researching this oh my god oh without a doubt yeah <laughs> Um, but this ultimately ended up killing almost all of the Branch Davidians, 76 of the 85 people, including Koresh himself. So just nine people were able to escape. Obviously, a lot of people looked at this like, woo, go off, the crazy cult is gone. Even Bill Clinton said the FBI had no responsibility for the deaths of these people. But some people kind of felt like um, this was sort of taken to the extreme a lot of i mean from even from people from like far left people saying like they had a right to do what they wanted to do or something like that to far right people using it as a rally rallying cry a federal threat <laughs> so it's interesting and i will say that like on the one hand the fbi's handling of the siege has been heavily criticized mm -hmm. um and the attorney general at the time janet reno was she eventually admitted that there was like no evidence of ongoing child abuse at the compound which was <laughs> One of the justifications for the gas attack, but that confused me because like people who had left the, the group said that there was child abuse, but maybe they just didn't have strong evidence. I think that's the thing. I think they were in terms of like to qualify a raid or an attack that is signed off by the government. I think they need to have like uh, a victim or someone coming forward saying like, this is happening right now. They are going to that yeah. person's like, I guess oh, that I makes sense. Yeah. Which I she, mean yeah. I mean, I don't know. She did take responsibility for the botched raid. And although the government has like maintained that they weren't responsible for the fires in 1999, it came out that some of the gas the FBI used was flammable under certain conditions, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And so then eventually Reno appointed John Danforth to conduct an investigation and I mean, predictably, in 2000, he concluded that government agents did not start the fire or shoot at the compound. And they still maintain that none of the agents like shot at people at the compound. But then when people like when they went into the compound after the whole standoff, like there were people, there were kids with bullet wounds, like one child had been stabbed. Oh, so I, and I know a lot of um, children were like, I don't know if they fell, but a lot of them were like on roofs and falling off the roofs too. And I don't like there was there, of course no one knows how that happened, but just also. Yeah. Super suspect. I don't know. I mean, I definitely, I feel like, I mean, I don't feel like I think the FBI definitely botched this. Oh yeah. But it's also, it's a thing too, where it's kind of like they botched it, but what, like you wonder what would, I don't, I don't think anything like a mass suicide would ever happen, but I guess it's sort of like, I couldn't imagine the FBI leaving them just there because of how angry they were and how much uh, conversation was going on about them, especially after the article that came out. Yeah, I guess my thing is like, yeah, they just it, it just went so poorly. It's also a hard thing, too, where it's like you realize it's like a lot that what happens in a cult is when it gets illegal, but you need the proof for that, unfortunately, for a government and like it is not illegal if you pay the more or if you pay the land or whatever, like you can compound when you fucking compound. Yeah, I know. And it's like people were getting hurt, but they didn't deserve to die. Well, that's the hard thing too. They went in to try to, I mean, that's what makes me so bad and sad. I'm like, they went in to try to 
save these people, but they killed the majority of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally terrible. Oh, God. I mean, totally terrible. But after this, I never want to speak about this again. (laughs) Never, 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 never. I never want to. I was going to say, I never want to go to Texas, but I do love Austin. And I did, I did have fun in Houston. And that's good. I will say, like, it's weird to watch Fixer Upper because they are primarily in <gasps> oh Waco and they never address it. Yeah, no, of shit. course. <laughs> no, of course. But it's like weird because it's I feel like it's got to be the elephant in the room. At least it is for me as like a true crime fan being like, this is the defining event of this city or town, whatever it is. That's true. And then they're like, now we're just going to slap some shiplap on it and pretend <laughs> this never happened. And honey, that that if there that is that is symbolic and metaphorical for so many so many people. Just slap some shit flash on it and pretend it never happened. Yes, let's do that. And here to help us slap, slap. some <laughs> shit flap on this episode is Jorge with some games. I fully agree, Sarah. Let's never talk about this one again. <laughs> it's, it's so dark. It's Looking at all this dark. stuff, it's kind of like, wow. I can't so believe. Sad. And so sad, yeah, for all these people that were just kind of drawn in by yeah. this weird guy. Yeah. And it's sad because I feel like this group was operating, I mean, in ways that I don't agree with and would never want to live my life, but they didn't seem to be harming anyone until like he got in the picture. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they were just caught in the vortexes. <laughs> and that's the game. <laughs> that is the name of today's game. Oh, Low is it? Yes, Danny. Ooh. Oh. So I didn't know this, but Texas as a state and as a place has actually belonged to six different countries throughout its history. It's had six flags flown above it. Which is coincidentally why Six Flags, the amusement park, is called Six Flags. Wait, so are you serious? Was it started in Texas? Yep. yep. Who knew? Whoa. Who knew? Who knew? Pink, also, who Dr. Knew? Pepper was started in Texas, which I did not know. Ooh, I found wow. a lot of fun facts about Texas. <laughs> this is <laughs> good. Very interesting. This Lone Star State. But today, what we're going to do is take a little trivia trip through all the different countries that have controlled Texas at some point of their history and answer one question about each of them as we go along. All right. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the first country that had control over Texas was, any guesses? Um, England? No. (laughs) I think Spain. That is correct, Sarah. It Whoa. was Spain. Well done. I... So which of these two Catholic monarchs <clears throat> united Spain for the first time through their marriage? <gasps> is it multiple choice? It is multiple choice. Oh, phew. Okay. Is, was it Isabel y Fernando? Mm. Caterina y José? Mm. Maria y David? Or Ana y Pedro. Ooh. I think it's Isabel and Fernando. I was going to do Isabel too. That is correct. You are both yeah. correct and on the board. Talk one up to the American education system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys learned that too, because I learned that um, in Puerto Rico, but it was mostly because Spain like actually kind of controlled us for a very long time. 
But well done, U.S. school system. Oh, I, learned that, I, I learned that. I took European history, and I think that's where oh, I learned there we that. go. Yeah, there U.S. history, go. I did not learn any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so don't give too much credit to the public school system. These two, they were named, they were called Isabel la Católica, Isabella the Catholic, and Fernando de Aragón, which is Ferdinand from Aragón, I guess. And uh, yeah, they controlled sort of different parts of Spain. And when they got married, then Spain was born. Spain was their love child, if you will. Uh (laughs) Love child. Love it. All right. Next up, we have France that controlled Texas for a while. Mm. And Sarah, you spent some time in France, right? We. She has a Paris poster, so there we go. Yes. My go. Italy f- flag like fell down as we started talking about oh this. My scene. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're mad. So, which of these is which of these phrases is the French motto? All right. Oh. Is it God, Fatherland, and Liberty? Is it plus ultra, which is Latin for further beyond? Is it liberté, égalité, fraternité, which means liberty, equality, and fraternity? Or is it travail, justice, solidarité? I'm sorry for all our French speakers <laughs> for butchering those. <laughs> but that last one means work, justice, and solidarity. I was going to say voulez-vous coucher avec quoi ce soir? I mean, that's, that that's is the American kind of official motto. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to do C. Yeah, it's the liberté, égalité, fraternité. Beautifully said. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) You got the Spanish, I mean. (laughs) You guys are both acing this quiz. Love it. I am For the first time in not another true crime history. Well, the reason I, because I knew they wanted to do a Latin one, and I know they got a month off, so I assumed it wouldn't be about work because they have amazing (laughs) work-life balance. (laughs) I feel like they get a month off every month. Like, they just do not work. (laughs) All right. Next up, Texas was annexed by Mexico. So the question is, which of these foods were not eaten by the Mayans, which are the natives that ruled Mexico before Europeans came and wiped everyone out? Was it corn? Avocados, tomatoes, or rice? Which was not eaten? Yeah, which one was not eaten by them? Mm-hmm. I want to say rice wasn't. I know, I'm thinking it's tomatoes or rice. Where do tomatoes grow? I have no fucking idea. Um, uh, I'll, I want to also go with rice. We've been like I mean, that's cheap. We've been joining it together on all these. So. All right, let's go with rice. You're both correct. Ooh. <laughs> well done. Rice is actually an Asian sort of invention and that was brought over. But ah. tomatoes, which is something I did not know, are actually endemic to the American continent. Ah. Which is pretty crazy to think about because I, I tend to think of tomatoes as so like quintessentially Italian for yeah. some reason. Yeah, that's so true. I really do, they're, yeah. They're American. That's so yeah. true. I do have to say too, watching, if you ever watch a video of like rice farming, it is so fascinating how it is mm. done. How do they do it? It's like, it involves just like, because I think it's like, I might have, maybe this was just in one area, but like 
the area was like flooded with water and then they just have to like yes. collect it from with, like, that. the rice patties. With the rice patties. That's yeah, cool. it's really cool. Another fun fact about Mexico while we're here is that the meteorite that wiped all the dinosaurs <laughs> landed in Mexico. Oh, wow. nice. <laughs> is there like a like is there like a crater thing that you can see? That would be it... so dope. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a crater. And oh, it was, really? It was discovered by an oil company called Petronas. Oh my god! Awesome. Actually, they just wow. kind of like stumbled upon this crater when they were digging for oil. They're like, "Oh, this is pretty crazy," and then they figured out that it was the meteorite that killed all that. the dinosaurs. The race from oil taught us something cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up on our trip through uh, the vortexes <laughs> is that Texas declared independence at one point, and it was just the Republic of Texas. Okay. Their own flag flown above their land. At that point, how many countries was Texas bigger than? Ooh. There's no multiple choice here. It's just a guess. So Geographically? We'll finally, yeah. This is um, by just land area. Like out of all the countries in the world? All the countries in the world. Jesus. Wait, all the countries in the world at the time of there or present day? Today, basically. Oh, oh, okay. I know yeah. that. Um, okay. Why do I want? Oh, oh, I have no fucking small, idea. Got some small states. Fuck. I'm going to go with 12. I was going to say 15. So Texas today would be the 40th largest oh. on earth. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Which is a bad thing, but it's also a state of the yeah, US. Yeah, it's pretty so big. It's yeah. pretty crazy. And it's, it's actually bigger than every single nation in Europe which is crazy to think about. It's twice the size of Germany. Oh, really? I did I not think to, that. I need to look at a map. What? Yeah, like legit. <laughs> I was like, well, I know it's bigger than Israel because Israel is like the size of New Jersey. But that was like all I was working with. Right. I was like, probably Italy as well. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so I think Danny was actually closer there. Yes, so Danny, you move into the lead. Here we go. All right, we have another numbers one. Oh, fuck. Okay. So after Texas was its own republic, it actually ended up joining the Confederacy when it seceded from the United States, famously, yes. in the Civil War. <laughs> Ever heard of it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do an episode on the crime that was the Confederacy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So how many states were in the Confederacy? For context, there was 31 total states at the time. Oh, fuck. Okay. So how many states seceded from the 31, the union? Okay. Uh, 17. I was going to go with a lucky 13. The correct answer was 11. Oh, yeah. So I was trying to count the individual states and then I was like, forget it. And then I was trying to, then I was trying to think where were more states. I was like, was Kansas a thing then? I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, so there was 20 states in the Union and 11 that formed part of the Confederacy, which is interesting to think about. But in terms of land mass, it actually was pretty equal. There's just so many smaller states up in the North and the Northeast that it kind of equaled out. But yeah, Texas was definitely the biggest state in the Confederacy at the time and supported it with the biggest number of soldiers. But 
in spite of that, they were not very successful in their mm. confederacy, and they're back on the union, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and last up in okay. our vortexes, Texas formed part of the United States after the Civil War. And what was the last state to join the union of the United mm. States? Was it? Oh, good, thank God. Same okay. <laughs> what I said. Arizona, Wyoming, Alaska, or Hawaii? Oh, you mean like not Civil War, just like of all time? Yeah, of all time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, gotcha, gotcha, I, I, gotcha. I'm, I think Arizona. It's either Alaska or Hawaii, and I'm going to go with Hawaii. Well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah is correct. Well <laughs> done. Alaska and Hawaii were the last two to join, and Arizona was the last and the last three. So uh, it was, it was, they were all pretty close. Because I remember they had like some weird thing where they were trying to be their own thing or something like that, right? I don't yeah, I think a lot of these sort of southern <laughs> states yeah. have that sort of like states' rights. They got some so energy going on. <laughs> But Alaska and Hawaii actually joined in the same year, which was 1959. Uh, Alaska joined in January 3rd, and then Hawaii joined in August 21st. So wow. pretty close, Dang. but Hawaii was the last one oh. to this day. But maybe soon maybe it'll DC. be 51st? DC? Yeah. Ooh. They'll redo the flag. That'd be exciting. Yeah. I don't know where that would fun. happen. Yeah. It'd be funny because I feel like it's all the neat rows and then you just have one on the end. <laughs> <laughs> that would sum us up a lot better than a bunch of neat rows. <laughs> That's right, cool. right. I have seen designs with like staggered lines that okay. actually look pretty, oh. pretty nice. Like you wouldn't be able to tell it's 51 if you weren't. Oh, like, that would be good. Oh, okay. So shoot. yeah, there's, there's ways around it. But right. Sarah, you have won today's game. Woo! You were not caught in the vortexes. Danny, uh-huh. unfortunately, parodied. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a shiner. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's a Texas beer. For anyone who doesn't know. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to have like a black eye. I realized after I said that, I was like, I should clarify that I meant the beer from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But, oh, man. Well, that was so fun. Uh, Thank you, fun. Jorge, Thank for that you. educational game. No problem. I feel like I learned something. I feel like I learned a lot too. And with that, we thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Follow us on Instagram at Not Another True Crime. Join the Facebook group. Guys, I'm telling you, I don't want to have to say it again. I'm just kidding. I'll say it again. But just please answer like at least one of the questions because I have so many pending requests of just like people who didn't answer any of the questions. And I feel like it's spam and I'm just scared to approve you. So therefore, just tell us you listen to the podcast. We'll let you write in. It's really fun. We just talk about like cases, true crime updates. People are coming in with like true crime cases that hit home to them. Like people they it's knew. Really, and like they provide a lot of additional like local context, too, which is very fascinating. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, super interesting. And other than that, you can follow me on Instagram, Sarah Lameem. You can follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K. And we will be back in your ear next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Thank you.
Betches.